Well, welcome to Grace Bible Church. Thank you for being with us this morning. It's good to have uh, all of you with us today as we look in our studies in Romans chapter 9. And uh, this morning we're we're actually going to begin the verse-by-verse exposition of uh, chapters 9 through 11. So we did some background studies the last number of weeks. Uh, But I want to speak to you about the Jewish advantage, something that runs through the um, book of Romans is this theme to the Jew first and also to the Greek or to the Gentile. And we find that there's a a significant uh, thing that is, is taught, a theme that is taught through the scriptures in regard to the distinction of the Jewish nation and other nations. And we, the last couple of weeks, have explored the area of, of God's plan <clears throat> for the nations, God's plan uh, in establishing or calling, electing, and choosing the Jewish nation as a special um, means of communicating the revelation of who he is. And so this morning we want to consider the Jewish advantage in these verses in Romans 9, 1 through 5. I'd like to um, have a word of prayer and then we'll begin reading there. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word and for your goodness and and, uh, mercies uh, to us. Uh, this morning we acknowledge that, that we come and we stand before you, not in hypocrisy, but in the, the sacrificial offering of our Lord Jesus Christ and the imputed righteousness that you have given to us through him. And indeed our faith has found a resting place, not in device nor creed. We trust the ever-living one and his wounds plead on our behalf, we thank you that you made he who knew no sin to become sin on our behalf, that we might be made the righteousness of you and him. And we give you praise and thanksgiving, Lord. And we ask and acknowledge our need for your Holy Spirit to teach us the truth that you have revealed in your word and that has been given to us uh, through the Jewish nation and people. And Lord, we ask that we might have some understanding, uh, your understanding that you have have revealed to us and given to us from your word in regard to these things. Uh, So teach us, Lord, what your people, what we need as your people uh, to serve you and to honor the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and you, our Heavenly Father. We pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's uh, look at those first five verses of Romans chapter 9, and, and uh, we will dive in. I do have a little bit of an introduction here in regard to the Jewish advantage. But uh, Romans chapter 9, verses 1 through 5, I don't have it for you there, so you'll need to look in your scripture, uh, look in your Bibles for that or your devices. Uh, Romans 3 says that, uh, and 1 through 3 says, What advantage then has the Jew, or what benefit of circ- what is the benefit of circumcision, 
great in every respect. First of all, they were entrusted with the oracles of God. What then, if some did not believe, will their unbelief not nullify the faithfulness of God, will it? Uh, and so these are the things that, that Paul has been addressing in the, the book of Romans, and he comes to a, a, a whole kind of different section. If we look at, at Romans uh, chapter 8 and our studies there, uh, there's almost a, just a natural progression into chapter 12. If you, if you look at, at what is, is said, uh, therefore, um, uh, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrament. It just flows out of chapter 8. But we have these three chapters, 9, 10, and 11, that just seem to, they're almost like a parenthesis, a, a statement that's made. But it's more, much, much, much more than a parenthesis because there's uh, some very significant and important things said here. And it's in regard to uh, God's dealings with the nation of Israel and where uh, the, the, the church was brought in and all of these, these significant events in regard to the plan and purposes of God in human history. So we want to really take a look at these chapters and uh, discover uh, what it is that God wanted to communicate to us and lay hold of some of these things. So I'm going to read here Romans chapter 9, verses 1 through 5. You follow along if you would. <clears throat> I'm telling the truth <clears throat> in Christ. I am not lying my conscience testifies with me in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing grief in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were accursed, separated from Christ, for the sake of my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh, who are Israelites, to whom belongs the adoption as sons, and the glory and the covenants, and the giving of the law, and the temple service and the promises whose are the fathers and from whom is the Christ according to the flesh who is over all God blessed forever. Amen. So may God add his blessing to the reading of his word as we consider these verses um, and uh, look at this theme that has come up uh, all through beginning all the way back to chapter 1. Uh, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Um, so we, he, from the very beginning, he has this uh, contrasting statements between the Jews and the Gentiles. And uh, we've talked about uh, some of those things in the past. But uh, let's consider the divine election uh, and nations Israel and the church, because these three areas, uh, they cover uh, the divine institution that God established. We go back to Genesis chapter 9. We talked about that in the previous preceding weeks. But God established nations. We get to Genesis 10, uh, chapter 10, verse 3, and we discover there the first mention of, of nations and the word for Gentiles and nations is the same word. 
So God established the family as a divine institution in the book of Genesis. God uh, established in Genesis chapter 9 the nations as a divine institution. And God established the church, again, as a third divine institution. Uh, There's a reason for them. And the fact that there's so much conflict and and division and attack and assault on the family, the design of the family and the nature of the family, the fact that there is a a spiritual battle and warfare around the nature and the design of the local church and of the body of Christ, the church, Uh, and the significance that there's this spiritual warfare in regard to nations. And we drew the association that in God's design, divine election of nations that uh, there was in Genesis chapter 11, the Tower of Babel, <clears throat> and <clears throat> in mankind's rebellion against God, that assault on these divine institutions. And it is, it's in regard to the nature of mankind's rebellion against God and the satanic rebellion against God, that angelic and heavenly battle and rebellion that is taking place. So there's significant things for us to learn and to lay hold of in this, uh, these chapters and in the things that Paul is teaching to us about God's divine election, his plan both for nations, for Israel, for the local church, and how those things fit together in Scripture and what is proceeding, what is unfolding prophetically in human history. So God's plan for the nations is to give them to His Son. God has a plan. And in that design that he, in which He designed nations, the divine institution of nations, God's plan, according to Psalm chapter 2, verses 7 and 8, is to give them to the Messiah, to the offspring of the son of David, to the offspring uh, of the lineage and the line of this Jewish nation uh, that he called, that he set apart for his purposes, for his plan that runs through human history. Psalm 2, verses 7 and 8 says, I will surely tell of the decree of the Lord, he said to me, you are my son, today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will surely give you the nations as your inheritance. This is God the Father telling, them, telling God the Son and prophetically uh, speaking that his plan, his intention is to give to his son, to give to the Messiah, to give to Jesus Christ the nations. So we look forward to the blessed hope uh, that we have as the church, but also to the second coming of Christ and the establishment of God's kingdom on earth. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done here on earth as it is in heaven, because on that day there will be the transfer of authority, the transfer of ownership, the giving of, the, of God the Father, the creator of all things, to his son, the nations. And it's going to be a great day of peace and glory, where the glory of God and the, the glory and the beauty of, 
of his kingdom that is in heaven is brought to earth in a special way that only could come through the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, the Prince of Peace, our Lord Jesus Christ. There's nothing, there's no other way to, to uh, establish the glory that God has planned for, for humanity than through the Lord Jesus Christ, through his plan here. And the very ends of the earth are given to Christ Jesus as his possession. And so when we read in the book of Acts that uh, uh, the, the transfer of, of that inheritance from God the Father to his Son to the Messiah, uh, that's what it's talking about. That, that God in his divine election and in his plan, in the predestined plan that he set in human history, that he's bringing about these events. So what does that tell us about what God wants? God wants to save his people. Uh, and he wants to save people from every nation. And so for us in the church, for this day and time, what, what did Christ give to us? All authority has been given to me on heaven and earth. What was he saying? Go and make disciples of all the nations. So, uh, so what is the church doing? Well, the church is sharing the gospel. We're, we're making disciples for Jesus Christ. Uh, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Uh, that's our great commission. It's something that, that Christ, in speaking to his disciples, in instituting the church there in Matthew 28, uh, that you, just, you can see the connection with Psalm chapter 2, with the plan that the Father has, and what Jesus Christ did in the establishment of his disciples and the establishment of the church in uh, penetrating with the gospel through all the nations because he's been given all authority over all the nations. So we're to save people uh, and to rescue the perishing because they're perishing. Jesus Christ is the way and the truth and the life. No man comes to the Father except through him. There's no other way for the salvation that God has planned for mankind. For human life. And yet we see this incredible struggle, uh, this desire to establish a global government, to establish a, an annihilation of nations, an annihilation of the God-ordained family, an annihilation of the church in an ecumenical form of religion, a worldwide form of religion that, that blurs all of the, the terms and and it's a, a rebellion against God, our creator. So God wants to save people from all nations. Our mission is hugely significant, that we are sharing the gospel, proclaiming the gospel. For How can they hear without a preacher? <clears throat> and so uh, let's look then at God's plan for Israel God's plan for Israel is to save a remnant from them. And we're finding that from these verses, that he has always had a plan. And in the church, when the Apostle Paul in chapter 1 says, 
I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the, the power of God and salvation to the Jew first. And, and think about it. Jesus Christ, he, he never stepped outside of Israel. I mean, he, his entire ministry was in this tiny country. If you've been there, you know what I'm talking about. It's not, it's, it's small. And so he was the Messiah in his <clears throat> geographic ministry was tiny. Uh, and yet he established the disciples and the church. And it was built from there, God's plan to save not only a remnant from Israel, but also a, ultimately uh, to establish his, his kingdom and uh, to, to penetrate the gospel into all of these nations. Because why? Because he's giving the nations to his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amos 3, 2 has this to say, You only have I chosen among all the families of the earth. Therefore, I will punish you for all your iniquities. So we look at the nation of Israel, and they've been disciplined and disciplined. And, and they've been uh, judged and and they've been dispersed into all the nations. <clears throat> and we think about it. Think about the, the plan of God and the unfolding of the fullness of times that took place. That, that God, uh, in, out of Israel's failure, that he dispersed them into all of these nations. <clears throat> and, and in his sovereignty, even in discipline and judgment, uh, on the nation that he elected and called, he, he was, was preparing the world for the spread of the gospel. Uh, and, and we find when we get to the book, book of Revelation that there's 144,000 Jews that begin to penetrate all the nations and all the different languages with the gospel. Uh, God's plan is unfolding and he's, he's pulled out even uh, in the first century and in the centuries that have followed. He's always pulled a remnant of Jewish people into the church, to the Jew first, but also to the Gentile. And we found that, that in the plan that unfolded in the church that, that uh, it became Gentile and nation-dominated. Uh, but we find that in the prophecies of Daniel that he said that there was an age of the Gentiles that would take place. And Jesus Christ said that, the, that Jerusalem would be trodden under the foot of the Jews until the fullness of the times of the Gentiles or the nations is completed. Okay, So what did Jesus mean in regard to these things? We're, we're looking at the unfolding of the events and the plan that God predestined and that he's working through the nations, through Israel, and even through the church. So the main point of what I want to say this morning is that God loves and has a special plan for the nation of Israel. And at this point in time, it means a remnant. But ultimately, it will mean that nationally that Israel is going to be saved. You know, the father didn't just give his son the Gentile nations and, and all of the nations, the Father gave His Son the, the nation of Israel. 
So when we get to the millennial kingdom, that thousand-year period where Christ returns and comes to reign on the earth, he will reign in the nation of Israel and over all the nations of the world, and he'll give those nations to his son. It's a glorious thing, and it's a glorious plan. It can't be thwarted. There's nothing that all of the globalist and, and, and great minds on planet earth can design or do to stop what God is doing. And it's going to involve a judgment of the nations that comes when the fullness of times has taken place. And we're going to explore these things, these, this theme and these things in, Gen in Romans chapter 9, 10, and 11. Paul addresses this issue. So the main point is that God loves and has a special plan for the nation of Israel. And we should love Israel because Jesus Christ was of the tribe of Judah, of the line of David, and God has blessed the world. And so it was appropriate for the apostle Paul, the apostle that was called to the Gentiles, to declare in the book of Romans in chapter 1 that it's to the Jew first, but also to the Gentile, also to the nations. So uh, there's a priority in these things that are being taught here in Romans 9, 10, and 11. The divine election uh, and, and uh, regard to the nations and Israel and the church uh, includes the plan and God's plan for the church. And his plan is to make uh, the two into one. If you'll turn, you can turn your Bibles to, to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 through 22. It's such a long passage. Uh, but it's a description of, of this mystery of the church that took place. The Jewish people did not expect it. It wasn't. Uh, prophesied in scripture uh, but there's an uh, a, a interruption between the 69th week of Daniel as the prophecy was given in Daniel's book in Daniel chapter 9 and the 70th week and there's this insertion of the age of the church the age of the Gentiles uh, an interruption because of Jew the Jewish rejection of their Messiah uh, but in God's plan, the unfolding of exactly what he was planning to do. So in reading in, uh, in Romans, I'm sorry, in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 through 22, Therefore remember that formerly you, the Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by the so-called circumcision, so the uncircumcision is the Gentiles, and the circumcision is Israel, of course, which is performed in the flesh by human hands. Remember that you were at that time separate from Christ. So the Gentiles were separate from Christ. They weren't brought into the covenant blessing of the new covenant, the relationship in Jesus Christ. We were outside of that. We were separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now... In Christ Jesus, you who formerly were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace, who made both groups into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall by abolishing in his flesh the enmity, which is the law of the commandments contained in ordinances. 
so that he in so that in himself he might make the two into one new man. Now this two into one new man is the Gentiles, the nations, and Israel. And out of the nations in Israel is the remnant of those Jews that believed and the Gentiles that have put their faith in Jesus Christ for their salvation. For Jesus Christ is the way and the truth and the life. No man comes to the Father but through him. And the gospel has been opened up to you. And when the disciples carried the gospel uh, in Jerusalem, Samaria, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world, they carried that gospel, which ultimately has resulted in the gospel being heard here in the uttermost parts of the world, in the United States of America. God included you. He loved you. He included you in his plan. He predestined and planned in all of these events that took place with the coming of Jesus Christ, with his first coming, with the establishment of the apostles, with the giving of the Great Commission to save you because he loves you. And there's, there was nothing earned or deserved on your part. But Jesus Christ in his great mercy, God the Father in his great mercy, had a plan to give you to his son that he would be your God and that you would be God's people. You're God's people because God did this great and awesome and mighty thing. Thus establishing peace and might uh, reconcile them both in one body to God through the cross. You've been reconciled <clears throat> to God in one body through the cross, by it having put to death the enmity, and he came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. God has given to us peace, for, though, for through him we both have one, our access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, God's building the church, God's building his temple, the church, in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into one holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the spirit. So in Romans Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Have, now have peace with God, and, and therefore we exalt in uh, his, his glory. But we exalt in tribulation as well, right? Because God has poured out his love into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. You have the Spirit of God. The Spirit of Jesus Christ has come to indwell you. And it should be peace for God's people. It should be all of these wonderful things that Christ indeed worked uh, on your behalf and God's glorious and wonderful plan and expression of his love for you and me has been given. And he's drawn together, first to the Jews and also to the Gentiles, into one body, uh, the body of Jesus Christ. He's the mind. Christ is the head and, and, and we're the parts and we function together in unity that, that God planned, that his Holy Spirit that has been given to us, that has been shed abroad in our hearts 
and given to, to each one of us. The scripture tells us that God has imparted through the giving of his Holy Spirit gifts that are, that are operated through his people and, and the body of Christ functions in sync with the, with the instruction that, is get, that comes from Christ through the spirit of Christ Jesus through his people. Christ in you, the hope of glory. We ought to be gloriously embrace the call that God has given to us in Christ Jesus. The work that God is doing because when you came to faith in Christ, you were brought into that wonderful, uh, that wonderful expression of the will of God, the plan and the purpose of God. It's un, it's, it can't be thwarted. It's going to be accomplished. And you're there, you're indomitable in the very part that God called you and ordained for you to do, knowing the will of God and embracing the will of God and pursuing in, in, in godliness uh, and in Christ Jesus within the will of God by the Spirit of God working within us is such a glorious call. It's such a wonderful thing that God has done for us. God wants our church to work together on his plan for the world. And what does that involve? Well, it, it involves sharing the gospel, spreading the gospel. You know, go and make disciples. Go and make disciples. And embrace the calling that God has given to us. And the, the significance of what it means that this, this message has come from, from two millennium away uh, through disciples and faithful people that did just that, just that very thing. They carried the gospel. Because what other way is there to know, to ascend to heaven? There's no other way to ascend to heaven except through Jesus Christ and set through this, except through this gospel. All is doomed apart from the work of Jesus Christ, the, the plan that God has through him. It's, it's urgent and significant that we're about God's business in these things. And you have been. Thank you so much. I always marvel, and, and just uh, to let you know, uh, Dave Wold that was here uh, last week and, and uh, his friend, as missionaries, I said, well, how do, you, how do you have your church so engaged in missions? And I said, well, God did it, you know. But I do want to say thank you to you as, as the church body because you have a heart for missions and you've supported missions and we've engaged in it. And, and so we're very thankful for that. And it's been mentioned by, by numerous people that have visited our, our services and, and taken a look at our church. Thank you for, for, having, for loving what God loves and being engaged in missions and sending out people and, and supporting people that have gone into the uttermost parts of the, the earth. I mean, they're, they're there. They're in places where we can't be. But you're engaged in it as a part of the body of Jesus Christ, and it's so important and significant for us as God's people. Work together. Let's work together in God's plan. And, and keep that focus that, that God would have us to keep, to go and make disciples. And, uh, and, and don't forget, uh, you can tell it. Don't, don't forget uh, the instruction that we received from Dr. Moyer uh, a few weeks ago. 
All right, and then there is <coughs> Paul's uh, line of argument in regard to the election of the nations and, and, uh, and Israel. Uh, but his line of argument is in, in chapter 9, he deals with God's sovereign predetermination of his plan. Uh, and one thing that we need to understand is that, that God has predestined these things. That's why he tells us the biblical prophecy and the things that are unfolding. He tells us that, that Christ, his son, is, is going to reign on the throne as the Lord of lords and King of kings and Prince of peace over the earth for a thousand years uh, because he's predestined that. He's planned it. And nothing can thwart God's plan. Just nothing can stop him from doing exactly what he has chosen to do. And we find that um, uh, his uh, sovereign predetermined plan uh, for Israel is that he's at, at this point in time saving a remnant in the church, uh, but the nation for his kingdom. When God's kingdom comes, when his will is done here on earth as it is in heaven, it will be because Christ reigns on planet earth because the church is not going to be able to, to establish God's kingdom on earth, right? In fact, the scripture tells us that there's going to be a great apostasy and falling away before that tribulation period takes place. So the church, uh, despite having this wonderful gift that has been given in Christ is going to fall short. We need the Lord Jesus to return. And what we find from Scripture in, in uh, Matthew 28 and these different chapters is that there's going to be a time for the judgment of the nations when at Christ's second coming, he will judge the nations and establish his reign, his kingdom. So... Um, and then a second point here that we have is man's, in chapter 10, is that man's volitional responsibility to his creator is stated. Uh, and we find this in, in the book of Romans. We go back to Romans chapter 1 and we see that God judges on the basis of, of man's volitional response to truth. Okay? That's how judgment is going to come. Uh, and... And we're responsible to God uh, because the wages of sin is, is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord, right? Uh, but we're responsible, and judgment comes on the earth because of, of our response. And, and, and we covered that in Romans chapter 1. So if you need to review it, go back, because it's just as real man's uh, responsibility, his choice is just as real as God's uh, sovereignty and his, his uh, predestination uh, to election. And they're not in conflict, even though it, from human perspective they seem to be in conflict, but they're not. God's sovereign free will is over man's free will. Okay? And all of his action and activity is in spite of man's volitional response. He is going to determine and to accomplish what he's going to accomplish. So we find in chapter 10 it says, For whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. But there's a response. And it's not, God didn't program it in you. It's, it's, it's a response that, that we're called to make. Um, 
and, and, and we're responsible in regard to that response to the revelation of truth that God has given to us and we'll be judged on the basis of that reception or rejection of that truth that God has given to us. It's very serious. So God wants for all people to call in the name of Jesus to save us from our sin. Remember, remember, remember. It's very simple principle, but we forget it all the time. But God is our Savior. You know, we don't save ourselves because mankind wants to think in his autonomy that he can save himself, but we don't save ourselves. God saves us. God is our Savior. You don't save yourself. You don't establish your world. Uh, you don't reign. Uh, God reigns. And he is sovereign and he's God and he's to be worshipped by you. He's to be acknowledged and respected as for who he is. As he is our God and we are his people. We are under him. He is our savior. And salvation does not take place outside of what God has done for you. You don't add to it. You can't subtract from it. It is God that is our Savior. And then a third point here is that God, in chapter 11, God's free will is sovereign over man's choice. <clears throat> His free will is sovereign over man's choice. Uh, I just, um, I, I don't know where something that I had for you was, but I wanted to, it, it would just be a reminder for many of you uh, from our studies in Samuel, I got this, this quote from, um, from Dr. Constable in, in our class at seminary. Um, but the, the reality is that I did hear uh, something very, very similar by Dr. Walbert. So I think it kind of walked around Dallas Seminary for many years. But it was, uh, and this is the quote, God's purposes will be accomplished the individual or group, so in, in light of our, our message this morning, for the individual, for us, or for the nations, groups, the individuals or groups' actions and attitudes in light of God's purpose will be de the determining factor, uh, will determine their ultimate destiny, Okay. God's purpose is going to be accomplished. He's going to do what he's going to do. The individual and the nations or the people's groups, actions and attitudes in light of God's will will determine your destiny. Think about that. So what is the significance then when Jesus said, I, uh, my meat is to do the will of the Father? How significant was it that Jesus was completely dedicated, everything, even to the point of saying, the, the food that I eat, the thing that energizes me, that gives me life, is the will of my Father. I mean, that's complete. And that's what it needs to be for you. Uh, it always needs to be, Father, God, what is your will? We make many decisions in life. But I want to encourage you to learn to, to ask the first and most important question, Father, what is your will? Because you're going to want a lot of different things, and, and many of those things are not going to be good for you. 
But God wants for you to want his will for you. And that makes sense because he's God and you're not. And so he, he, he wants for us to lay hold and our destiny will be determined by what we, what we long for. Jesus expressed his hunger for the Father's will. <clears throat> I want to encourage you as God's people to hunger for God's will. Hunger for those things that he has for you, that he knows is right for you. And what will happen is that the very thing that you were created for will unfold in your lifetime. And you will know the full satisfaction of what it means to, to have completed the very thing that God created you for, that you exist for. There's nothing more important than that. And I so want to get to the end of, of my days and say, like the Apostle Paul, I've completed the course. I've finished. I've fought the good fight of faith. And I, I've, I've taken that road, that trek, into what God willed for me. <clears throat> completed the satisfaction of knowing that in my existence, what I was created for, what I was designed for, the very identity of who I am was fulfilled in regard to God's plan for me. So ask that question first. What is God's will? And God wants for you to know that he will always do what he says. And that's in regard to the nations of Israel. His will is going to happen, what he's predetermined, what he has spoken through his word, what he's revealed to us is going to unfold. It's going to happen. <clears throat> so when he tells us that, that God has saved a remnant of Israel, uh, and later on we're going to see in chapter 11 where uh, all of Israel will be saved, and he's going to pull these nations together. He's going to establish his kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. There's going to be a glorious day. He has wonderful things that are planned for you. And lay hold of it because there's, there are things that he has for you here. And the function of, of who you are in the body of Christ is the significant thing because it's the Father's will. It's, it's what God is, is doing in this day and time. And the significance of it will be seen even it was, as it was with the Apostle Paul as he in obedience to his calling and his choice fulfilled those things and engaged in, in those things and that calling God. So let's take a look then at divine election. We looked in chapter 8 and divine election is, was laid out this way. If you look there on the the uh, uh, what would be your left side, uh, this is the, the order of divine election as it was stated in, in Romans chapter 8. And uh, there in those verses, um, uh, let's see, it was 30, uh, 30 and 30, no, 29 and 30. In Romans 8, 29 and 30. Who God foreknew, he predestined. Whom he predestined, he called. Whom he called, he justified. 
in whom he justified, he glorified. Now, we made the point that he, he left out sanctified there between justified and glorified, uh, but going to glorified and, and putting it in the past tense states that uh, it, it's just a given that, that because Romans chapter 8 is speaking of sanctification, that that's the, the order or the progression of God's predestined will for, for, for those that he has saved. So he's pre he foreknew, he predestined. Now, we find that in this divine work of God that it's not of works, it's free gift of God, it's by God's grace and by his grace alone and through faith. Uh, and this, this is the essence of the gospel. It's the essence of his plan for our salvation, for your salvation. So if we look at other views of election, uh, on the right-hand side, we, we see the progression, God foreknew. Now this view of, of election is that, that God, he, he's kind of back there in eternity past. He looks forward to uh, the future and he sees what choice you're going to make. So we have, and the, the essential part of this is the, the nature of free will, okay? So does man have free will and is salvation based upon your choice, upon man's choice, okay? So uh, as, as we think about that, we see, for one thing, God is, he's not eternal. Uh, God when we talk about the continuity of being that we've talked about in, in Bible framework series, God is, is transcends humanity. He's outside of his creation. There's God and there's creation. And God is eternal in his nature. He, he doesn't exist uh, in the past and progress through time like we do. He exists in all, in, throughout time. He's eternal in his being. And he transcends space as well. He's omnipresent, uh, uh, Jake. So Jake was defining omnipresence this morning and omnipotence. Uh, and so uh, God is, is omniscient. He's, he's omnipresent. That means he exists and uh, throughout, he exists already in tomorrow. Uh, so that's difficult for us to understand. But that's God, according to Scripture, if we go to, to this view uh, that God foreknew what decisions you were going to make and therefore he based uh, predestination and election on the knowledge that he had, well, he's a superior being, but he's not what the, the Bible describes as, as an eternal being uh, that exists in the future. And Jesus Christ said, uh, who was and who is and who is to come. So... Uh, that's God. Um, so he foreknew what men was going to decide. He foreknew, he saw something in you that, that indicated that this person is going to choose right and therefore uh, I'm going to justify him. So you find the next progression there is that God justifies those that, that made the right choice. And so you have these, these songs like I have decided to follow Jesus and and uh, things like that. And, uh, well, uh, you know, it's actually God just saved me. 
<laughs> you know, he just, he wakened, he woken me and it says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who according to his great mercy saved us, caused us to be born again. He caused us to be born again because we were spiritually dead. We, we, we couldn't save ourselves. We couldn't make that choice. God, uh, he reached down in his mercies and saved mankind. And then we have uh, there after justification is, is man's works uh, in regard to sanctification. Uh, and there, and then finally that God glorifies man. And again, it's on the, the basis of his works because because he perseveres or he does enough good things to, uh, to merit salvation uh, and, and to act in accordance with the salvation or, or however. There's, there's different flavors of what we call the Arminian view of divine election and, and the Calvinistic view of divine election. Uh, but these things are significant in regard to the nations and, and these things. They're to be thought about um, and uh, considered. Um, and the way that I've resolved it is just that man's choice, man's volition, uh, and God's sovereignty uh, coexist in some ways that, that we can't really fully understand because of the nature of who God is. <laughs> but God is the one that has a free will, is the bottom line. He's the one that has the power to do his will. He's the one that is able to, uh, to actually fulfill a free will. He's the only one that has the righteousness to have a free will. Um, so um, in that regard, we'll move on to um, uh, Paul's uh, sacrificial uh, wish there. And Paul's wish is, and in his sincerity is that I'm telling the truth. In Christ, I am not lying. My conscience testifies with me in the Holy Spirit. And in these three verses, he basically expresses his, his uh, desire uh, for, for, and his, his love for his kinsmen, for Israel. Uh, and this is uh, difficult because uh, Paul is, as an apostle to the Gentiles, we, we find in the book of Acts that it, it, he always goes to the, the synagogues first where the gatherings of Jewish people are. When he carries the gospel, when it spreads out of Israel, out from uh, when he... Uh, left from Antioch, he goes and he goes into the synagogues. There he preaches the gospel. Uh, but at one point through the book of Acts there, we see historically that, that the apostle Paul says, uh, I give up, you know, uh, I go to the, to the Gentiles at this point. So we're going to look at that, and it's 12 o'clock, so it's time for uh, the pastor to shut up. <laughs> so... And I'm going to do that, and we'll pick up uh, here. I, I'd hope to get a little further along, but you know how that goes. So um, 
So uh, read chapter 9, uh, and we'll, we'll begin to, to look at these verses next time and uh, consider uh, Paul's love for Israel. I mean, he loved these people and the obstinance of it to the truth and to the gospel. Um, Paul is, is recognizing the predestined will of God in, in his saving a remnant but not saving the nation at this time. Because God is doing things that we may not understand. The Apostle Paul didn't understand. But God knows what he's doing. And those things we can be certain of. It's a good day and time for us to have that kind of certainty. Uh, that things that, that don't make sense and for, for the insanity of, of the kind of decisions that are being made in our day and time politically and culturally. Uh, and, and on a global, uh, you know, just the insanity of, of some of the things that are happening, uh, it makes no sense. Uh, but God is, is, his hand is moving. His, pro, his, his sovereign hand is working in providence and pulling these things together and according to his will. And he can't be thwarted. And we want to be a part of that. We want to have a, a right perspective on where we are and, and what God is doing, that we may understand the times and know what we ought to do as God's people. So these things will be helpful to us, and it will be comforting to us because the Father and the God that loves you so dearly and so greatly is unfolding things that are big uh, in, in human history. Uh, but it all works really good, and I would recall you, cause you to remember that you are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus, according to what we just studied in chapter 8. You are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus, so don't get frustrated when big things happen and when insane things happen, but know that God's plan is unfolding to the greater glory of our Lord and Savior, the one that we love the most, our Lord Jesus Christ. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for your good mercies to us. Uh, we pray, Lord God, that you would be pleased um, to uh, bless, bless your people. Father in heaven, we bless you and we acknowledge that you are God that you have purposed in your, your predestined will what is righteous and good and it's great in glory. Great is your mercy and just are all of your judgments. You have justly judged Israel and you will justly judge all nations. And we pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We pray for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We pray for the establishment of that kingdom on earth as it is in heaven, empowers to love the lost like the Apostle Paul loved his kinsmen there. And thank you that in your mercy that you chose us in Christ Jesus before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before you. In love you predestined us to the adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself according to the kind intention of your will, to the praise of the glory of your grace, which you freely bestowed upon us in the beloved Lord Jesus Christ. It's in him 
that we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us in all wisdom and insight. Father of glory, give to us a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you, our almighty God. I pray that you will open the eyes of our heart and enlighten us so that we will know what is the hope of your calling and what are the riches of the glory of your inheritance and what is the surpassing greatness of your power toward us who believe in accordance with the working of the strength of your might which you brought about in Christ Jesus when you raised him from the dead and seated him